Hi, welcome to the Biffa Podcast, the show from the British Independent Film Awards that brings together two artists from in front of and behind the camera for a conversation about how film has shaped their lives. In this episode of the podcast, writer and director Kathy Brady spoke to actor and lead in her film Wildfire, Nora Jane Noon, a nominee at the Biffers for the Douglas Hickox Award for Debut Director and the winner of the award for debut screenwriter, as well as her haunting examination of psychosis and family tragedy on the Irish border with Wildfire, Cathy has made a number of short films, as well as series Can't Cope, Won't Cope, which starred Nika McGuigan, who appeared alongside Nora Jane in Wildfire, and who sadly passed away during the film's post-production in 2019. Nora Jane worked closely with Cathy and Nika on the story of Wildfire, first meeting over a pot of tea and a pint of Guinness, and soon becoming an integral part of the film. Familiar to audiences thanks to her roles in The Descent and Brooklyn, Nora Jane's performance as Lauren is a deeply lived-in role, born out of heavy workshopping, a process explored in depth in her conversation with Kathy. As well as their development process, Kathy and Nora Jane look back on their film inspirations, from Stand By Me to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, as well as what their own version of secret cinema would be, and why they put it in the middle of the desert. One particularly poignant moment of the conversation discusses a picture of Nika, Kathy, and Nora Jane together, which we've put up on the Biffa social media accounts, so you can see the trio who brought Wildfire to life together. Hiya. <laughs> is it going over there? Is it sunny in LA? It is, it is. It's lovely, but it's kind of cold. It's bloody Baltic here, it really is. It's like proper, here's winter. Okay, I got my scarves ready. Yeah. <laughs> how's, how's life treating you? Good. <laughs> I guess we're here to, to kind of chat about film and what got you started, huh? I know, but here you're talking to two people who have the worst memory in it's the world. It's very true. <laughs> no, weirdly though, I remember very weirdly specific things. Like, so I always remember faces. I'll see a face of an actor and I'll be like, oh, I know they were in this, 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 this and this. Oh, like your one. Your one who was you're in one, that and film. And she was in that film. And this, um... <laughs> but I won't remember their name. <laughs> and I'll remember weird little moments from films. You know what I mean? Like, or yeah. Wait, What's the first moment that stands out for you then? Like, like your earliest memory? God, you see, I watched so much film too when I was small. So I think it was just bombardment. And that's why I don't remember half of it. But. I watched everything from like movie matinees. Um, the Network Two always had a really good run of movies, and they would have all the old school nineteen forties, fifties musicals on in the afternoon. So I watched loads of those. We would rent like three to five VHS every week. The guy in the video library, Mike, was really like a film buff, and so I think that's kind of like was my eye opening. You know, that, that you could have that sort of encyclopedic knowledge and that kind of passion and that sort of like nerdiness of, of film. And he really taught us a lot, really, you know, and he would suggest a lot of stuff. And he would also suggest a lot of stuff that was age appropriate <laughs> because we would always want to get what we were, weren't supposed to be getting. But, um, but yeah, and, you know, I'm the youngest of four. So I had all my, my siblings, you know, influences and my parents' influences. So everything's always been such a mishmash. But, yeah. but I think, I think um, so all genres. My dad was into like noir and crime and mafia stuff and westerns and like, you know, political thrillers and psychological thrillers and like Poirot, you know, the classic kind of yeah. Agatha Christie, Sherlock Holmes, Dracula, like all the classics. So and then my siblings were, I guess, more into like the more recent stuff and the kind of 
the comedies or the fun actions or the the I guess because we've become as a society more into like psychological exploration too you know dramas mm. have become much more complex in that sense um so true and so that brought that in and then there's also the cool sci-fi alien and all these kind of amazing sort of genre defying films so i think that's my thing is genre defying because you can have any genre as long as it's like really cuts to the core of what it is to be human or the questions we ask then then it moves me and then i'm 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 all in and if you can do that while also blending a bunch of things i think that's oh such God, a skill totally. i mean I think things that stand out for me in terms of that blend of sci-fi and drama, like back in the day would have been Contact. Mm, I love it. Yeah. Uh, Deep Impact. I mean, the humanity in that story was so much more powerful, I thought, than Armageddon. Because do you remember they came out really similar? I think Deep Impact was first and then Armageddon. But uh, they're two of my favorite yeah. films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In sci-fi, like in the sci-fi yeah. world. Yeah. It's the, it's the humanity in those stories that's just speak volumes for me. Do you remember what was the first film you went to see in the cinema? Uh, well, one was a cartoon, but the first actual non-cartoon film was Stargate. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. What age would you have been? I was about 10, 9 or 10. No, maybe, maybe I was younger because I went with my older brother. I was about 9. But before that, I saw Oscar and Friends. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, what was yours? I had to like ask my brother because my memory is so <laughs> And he said it was Twister. And I do remember seeing Twister in the cinema. I remember my knees were shaking. Like, because, you know, the size of it on screen, the sound of it, I just remember shaking because it was, it was probably excitement. It was fear. It was just like the, the real cinema experience. But I, I definitely remember seeing Home Alone and he didn't. So I think I might have, because, you know, me and my brother are very close in age, but he's younger. So I think I might have got to the cinema before him. Um, but yeah, Home Alone, um, I think was my first cinema experience. But what was the, what was the first one that made you think, oh, this is something I want to be involved in or something that got you so caught up? I'd say, I'd say actually it would have been Twister, like to have such a physical reaction. I, you know, I think I caught it on TV not so long ago and it, it does actually stand up pretty well. And again, it's the human story within it, the character, like, you know, it's a, you know, I don't know if you remember the central premise, the husband and wife who are going through a divorce. Oh, yeah. Philip Love C- it. Philip C. Dorothy is the, yeah. the machine that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like the special effects and everything just really stand up. And then I suppose then and around that, then you're talking Jurassic Park. And like, I mean, that's a film that really has stands up to time as well. They're just so well written and thought out. And the truth is they ask much bigger questions. And that's what it is. It's not just for the special effects or, you know... Um, and that's what you really feel. And what was the first one that made you want to be a director? I think I came so late to it. Like, honest to God, like, I, I don't have any of those big breakthroughs at 12, 11. I mean, I was, I think I was maybe 19, 20, 21, possibly 21, maybe even later. But I remember it was art school at art school at the time. You know, I was really big into Gregory Crudson's work that especially his Twilight series and you know these big massive photo montages that he was doing with actors this kind of surreal place between day and night and how the mind sort of enters that place and I remember seeing um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and there was just there was something about what he managed to capture and how he pushed his visuals that really just like 
blew my mind and the performances were incredible like the the visual approach was so bold and, and it kind of left you go how the hell did they do that but not like in in such a really um interesting way because it was so hidden within the character you know it was always coming from character first the psychological place you know when he work, walks into the bookstore you know and all the lights boom 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 you know all those kind of moments it just it made me realize in my in my art degree oh wow this kind of feeling that i'm trying to get through photography uh, and maybe working with actors actually maybe this medium might be a better a better crossover because look what you can do with sound look what you can do with music and the scale of the story so but then i still didn't have enough confidence to know that was the right route yet um it was a little bit later for me but what about you what performance did you see and go whoa do you know um i don't think it funnily it wasn't necessarily performance it was just that i was always daydreaming and just so completely immersed in stories and so it started with books. I was obsessed with books up until my teens. And then I got distracted by all, all the stuff you get distracted by in your teens. But, um, but it started with that and music and then became film mm. as I got older and started watching, you know, more exciting and sort of complex and, and daring stuff. So it was always story, you know, being lost in a story and getting to live through an experience, through the protagonist experience. And through the eyes of the storyteller to, you know, new worlds and new challenges and all, all of that, you know, you just get to live so many lives through story. Um, and I guess I was just very greedy and hungry mm. for that experience, all, as many experiences as I, as I could possibly have in life. And I think when I fully realized that I could do that, like live in that as an actor was just um, stand by me because um, I was this, I'm maybe a little younger, but I was, I was around the age of the boys in it. And it was the first time I realized they're acting, you know what I mean? It's the first time I was kind of like outside the story enough to go, Oh, and that blew my mind. And I think I was maybe 11 or something. Um, and that was the first time I thought, Oh, wow, the possibilities I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I think like, I think the first time I realized just how outstanding performance can be and, and, and how, Casting has a big part of that for me was, I think, again, a little bit later, it was through the Dardenne brothers. And, and and also, like, I remember I was just so hungry to watch all their, because there were certain DVDs you'd buy and it was like um, director, you know, interviews and, you know, little moments at the same time. I was like oh, yeah. gobbling all that up. And I remember they were talking about L'Enfant and they were saying, like, where the, the inspiration came from that. And it was just seeing this woman violently pushing a pram. And and that for me was just this incredible breakthrough moment to 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 kind of to figure out where character and story come from and they're you know just this idea of this woman why why is she violently pushing this pram and I think you know also how they cast and how how lived in the characters felt and and how the the camera sort of worked around that and I think over time I think then I, I probably became more interested in in kind of the visual more lyrical language around a very honest performance but I think for me the crack through in terms of what you could get with a really hard-hitting performance was the Dardenne brothers and their approach and their way of making things their own way you know and, and trust in that process that's it isn't it it's 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 so exciting to see a very very clear voice a very clear identity and a very clear point of view because it's specific right but yet it, it relates to everybody and that's what you feel like with your voice you know it's like oh yes if I, if you can hone it if you can fine tune it 
in a way that feels completely your own and truthful. But yes, the ultimate payoff is always to be able to connect with people. So it's, it's, it's so beautiful. It's so exciting when you see that done so, so kind of perfectly. <laughs> is, there, is there any film in maybe, it can be from way back or in recent years, where you go, Jesus, I wish I was in that film, or you'd, you'd love that first experience of watching it again. You know, is there anything that stands out for you in the last few years? Wow. I mean, there's so many things that you, you even read that you're like, oh, I could bring so much to this. I'd love to do this. I'd love to, like, for me, every time I get really excited, it's like, A, I know I could bring an awful lot to it. And also if it's a challenge <laughs> or if it scares you a little bit, you're like, oh, I'd have to really push to like get this part or do this part of it or, or go there. Or I love that. I love that. That's the whole point for me is to be able to like learn a new skill or learn about a whole new world. I was thinking, um, you know, just in, in terms of a, a standout moment being in the cinema and being like, wow, I'm glad I seen that on the big screen. I was just thinking back to our first experience at Sundance when we were over with Small Change. I know, Tyrannosaur. Tyrannosaur. Yeah, I, I know. I was thinking that earlier, actually. I was like, I, ha I have to bring that up when we have this conversation because we were both completely stunned. We woke, walked out of that cinema. Like, we were, oh man. And we were it was, like so it was... far away from home, but like there was just like watching this story that was incredibly original. Elizabeth Coleman was incredible. And it's in, just the atmosphere in that in that. Um, in that cinema, like it was, it was a, it was a really hard, hard watching places, but the audience were, they were so invested. They were so in it and they were, they were going with the characters, even though it was hard to watch. There wasn't a moment watching that, that I didn't feel completely in it and completely safe. And like, I wasn't watching real people. I didn't for a second think about the actors. I was like, just completely immersed. And, you know, being in the film industry, that is you, see all the mechanics and you see all the things and the writing and the performances and all of that so to be completely lost in it was amazing and I I'd never I didn't know that Olivia Coleman you know was such a, a just deeply amazing dramatic yeah, actress yeah, yeah. I knew she was amazing but I didn't know that was that was in there and so that was mind-blowing well. you didn't watch the other film but I had the other film that I watched um about euthanasia how to die in Oregon and I remember that like was such a incredible film and I, I just it was just the, it was just that film festival my first big film festival it was such such an experience to watch the this documentary and then this fiction film I was just like whoa this is the power of cinema this is the power of collective community and the discussions that happened after the Q&A's and yeah like a Moments like that, I'm like, yeah, that I wonder how different the experience would have been seeing that at home on a TV or, you know. It's not the same. And like you said, the environment of a film festival is, you know, you get the discussion, you really get to like flesh out what it brought up for you and what it's about. And you really get to have those conversations and that experience. So it's it's um, it's such a a great atmosphere to to kind of dive into and like. Soak it all up, watch as many as you can and like have all the conversations. And I was just going to say, has there been any performances in the, in the last few years that stand out for you in terms of that's incredible? God, that's so hard. Um, that was definitely one of them. Um, that blew me away. But that was a, that was a while ago, Kathy. That was No, I was just thinking more recent. Like, is there anything that stands out? Because I tell you what, I seen, um, finally got around to see a Nowhere special at the weekend. And I was absolutely blown away by the the young child's performance in it who, who plays this character um, Michael 
And from the minute he's on screen, I had a lump in my throat. This, this child, I, he can't be any more than, I don't know, seven? Maybe even younger, I don't know. But it was just the presence and the tenderness and the compassion he brought to this character. Like, it's just, it, it was breathtaking. And I, when I think of, like, even how his performance held me right to the very end. And when, when it, got, it goes to the last moment of the film, he does this look and it's a freeze frame. Jesus Christ, I haven't, I haven't cried like that in the cinema in such a long time. Like, it was just incredible. You'll have to remind me of the name of that later. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's, an, there's another really, I mean, I, I mean, there's another amazing, uh, in terms of children's performances, Summer 93 by Carla Simon. It's, it's a debut. I watched that film going, if, if, no, if there was a film I wish I'd made, it was that. It was just... I was just, I just didn't know how she got those performances from kids. Like it was just, wow. it was just again, it was just like the journey that, that, she, that she took you on with that character. And, you know, it wasn't improvised, it was scripted. And how do you get those moments with little kids? And I don't know, there's something about children's performances for me that just like blow my mind. You know, it's, you've worked with children too. And so it's to have a child feel safe enough and, you know, the attention and the time and, and the maturity mm. to be able to maybe even understand complex emotions and then be able to kind of communicate that. It's, it's really special when you see that because they don't they don't know how to be dishonest either do you know that's the thing do you know so and I think there's that really interesting age before like the self-critic comes in I, I don't know what age they say it is it, maybe it is around eight nine where there's not like the, you start paying attention to this other voice that starts to edit how you say what you say and um, I have an awareness of how you're seen but there's something about the younger children performances that haven't quite got to that place yet so there is honesty um in what they're doing yet they still know it's play so there's something about you know children who really embrace performance as play even if it is tragedy which is it's just incredible yeah to go that deep into the to the make-believe yeah and it's funny like it's like you were talking about stand by me so there was must have been something in in those performances well I, I was always doing that in my head <laughs> you know what I mean I really was like off in that journey and like um really experiencing what those heights and those depths were like you know, I mean um, as much as you can as a child so that was something that I was really drawn to and I wonder if that's the same for you know the kid that you you saw because we all do it to a certain degree just I guess it just in different ways whether it's you know um you find different expressions but um you know you you've also been able to go to a, a bunch of festivals recently which is really cool you know you get to to kind of see all these amazing gems and all these independent films that weren't happening for a while there. It's been really special and, and equally been really special to finally see Wildfire with an audience. Derry at uh, Foil Film Festival at the weekend was, it was really remarkable because it's, it's the other side of, like say, Newry's um, on one side of Northern Ireland as a border, Derry's kind of on the other side, but it's, it's a border town. So they completely identify with what it means to live in a border town. And I think what really struck me was the, the conversations that happen. And it's not often the, the Q&A conversations, it's often the person that comes up and tells you their story and how it relates to you. And I think there were, there's stuff I probably I can't say now because it's too personal, like, and I wouldn't want to be, you know, sharing that person's story um, publicly. But it just, it just really it made me realize that, you know, that storytelling, you know, when they find their audience, it's really powerful. You know, and I, I think 
you and Nico were a big part of giving people access to understanding characters who behave in certain ways. I think that's something that really feels like, you know, we're completing the journey in a way uh, with Wildfire because we're seeing it with, with an audience now. Yeah, that's everything. It really is. And you've told me, you know, a, a bunch of those stories and, and what people have been saying about how they connect with it. And that that's what it just really, I find it so, so moving and so worthwhile, whatever depth we have to go to with these things and whatever we have to kind of open up within ourselves, however difficult that is. There's, there's so many people who experience that and have experienced more. And for it to bring through to, to those people is, is everything. You know, it's everything. And to, to allow that conversation to open up. And, you know, that's what I, you know, it's hard when we're, you know, earlier you're talking about, oh, is there a specific performance that you love about this person or that person or a movie? And I hate giving examples because I feel like it never quite sums up. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, and so I think for me, what I've always admired so much in performances is just when you really those moments, those moments when you know it's true, when you know that person has experienced it, it's just, you know, you're not alone, I guess. You know, that's it, isn't it? It's it's like you can just see it on their face. You can see there's certain things you cannot manufacture. Mm -hmm. You can see the rush of blood in someone's face. You can see the dapples that come up on their cheeks. You can see the physical reaction of an experience and you know it's real and you know it's true. And so actors like that, Olivia Coleman in Tyrannosaur, I think Claire Danes is like, I mean, just stunning and she gives everything to everything she does. You know, and you see it with um, Kate Blanchett and the beautiful actress in Phantom Thread. I was thinking of a Vicky, is, is a Vicky Creeps or Creeps, a Creeps maybe, but that rush of blood when she sees um, him for the first time and she's taking his order. Yeah, like... and you know, they're just completely there, you know, and there's no acting and there's no forcing a, a, a note or a or beat or a whatever it is, you know, and that's it. When you're just completely in safe hands, Obviously, that's a filmmaker too. That's the content. That's the writing. But it's it's just you feel it all as if you're experiencing it yourself, mm -hmm. you know. And it's hard to pin down performances because sometimes, you know, um, I have memory, so I forget. <laughs> we live in the moment. <laughs> we live in the moment, and then it's gone. <laughs> oh my yeah. god, it's so true. But here, if you got to put on the screening of a film, what would it be? Where would you do it? Um, and what film would it be? It's a very good question. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm maybe thinking of some of the moments like that were some of the most pure fun cinema moments that I've ever had, and it's a, it's a, it's a fairly recent enough one. Um, and it was Wolf of Wall Street. Oh yeah. Myself and Nika went to see a matinee screening. Right. So like the Silver Ladies were there. We were there. We had our big things and coke of diet coke you know you know coke and <laughs> lots of uh sweets and I, I think we were slightly hyper but it was such a thrill i remember the moment whenever you know he's taken um he's taken the drug the, and they're starting to um affect his physicality and his speech oh yeah yeah that's and so amazing i think that both of us were roaring with laughter so much so that the silver lady turned around and she says could you stop it <laughs> and uh, that moment was just so special so for me I think it would be, um, I'd love to relive that again. Just just that as a cinema experience. I know I can't because Nick is no longer with us, but as a cinema experience, that's probably one of the most purest. This is just the best. This is. I mean, that, that whole movie was worth it just for that whole section. 
and where he's like crawling to the car and <laughs> it's just is there any favorite cinema you would do it in do you know i love the lighthouse cinema in dublin i'm gonna go with that one oh here what about you i love immersive cinema so I love like when it's a whole thing and there's this amazing art deco cinema in um, downtown LA. This is a big old building that's been done up recently. And um, I went for Valentine's Day one day and it was uh, Roman holiday. So it was an old movie and they had a band playing and everyone had to dress of that era and oh, stuff yeah. that, that it was, it was amazing. It was a whole interactive thing, but, um, and I also did like um, secret cinema in London um and they did I went like with a you big with one. do you remember the one you you went to you went to greece but the, the the coolest one was back to the future and they had like the whole town was like built oh, wow they and they had all actors in every venue and walking around the streets um playing the characters and they had um them reenact the film as it was happening so they were like zip lining from the clock tower when the, the lightning hit and there was pyrotechnics and so I mean, it's a whole big show, but I, I something like that. I, um, with how greedy I am about wanting to do everything, I would probably want to do a series of them <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> but it's so cool to be in a in a in a space. What about if if you do like a sci-fi drama one? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you would do like Contact, but like you know what? I did think about it would be very cool to do something like that out in the desert because <gasps> you can see the stars oh God, and you can have amazing. telescopes and you can go camping. Can you imagine the spectacle of that? You know that fulfills my nerdy science side as well. So, so that's why I like to blend. Oh my God, that'd be so yeah. Amazing. Wouldn't that be insane? Should we do it? We should do it. We should do it. Would anybody come though? <laughs> We'd be there, so that'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Let's just rent out a van. Yeah, head out to the desert. Yeah, just be me and you and walkie talkies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've always wanted a walkie talkie. Um, yeah, Airbnb is great these days. We just like <laughs> rock up somewhere. What a journey it's been to like to get to where we are right now. I know it's wild because even when you said Tyrannosaur, I was like, that was like eleven years ago now, almost twelve. Um, and then from there to to wildfire. The beginnings, which was what seven, seven, seven years ago. Seven years ago, over a pot of tea. What, what's your memory of that first meeting between me, you, and Nika? Like, what, what do you remember? What, what stands out for you? Like, what was your first impression of Nika? And she just seemed really sweet. We just started chatting. I just remember us chatting a lot, and and just it being like an easy flow of conversation. And then we just kept chatting, and we kept, and then we moved on to the next place, and then. And I think I had to go to something, didn't I? And I didn't want to go. I was like, ah. <laughs> I feel like we were chatting for like about five or six hours or something. Oh, yeah. Something we crazy. met at like five or six o'clock and we kept going till, till late. I think I had to do pickups, wasn't it, for something. So I had to go. But yeah, I, I always remember like the absolute electric of the workshops in London. You know what I mean? And just how wired we were. It was like a crazy drug. It really was. And everyone, like we had, people were looking at us strangely in the street. Fits of giggles, like full of this energy and just, you know, we were doing all the physical workshops too. So we were like full of adrenaline. But I think because we, we, we had kind of unleashed something. Yeah, and we knew it. I, I remember that feeling. We were all just so excited. We knew we tapped into something, something special. Like I was like, okay, so I've got a week workshops. What am I meant to do with these ones? Like I don't even have a script. I remember kind of going... How do I even begin structuring the day? Do you know what I mean? Like, but what's amazing about you is that you make it happen. That's the thing. It's like you you trust enough in in that thought or that gut instinct to make it happen, and you kept doing it. Do you remember? Like, do you remember the mad mirror mirror? <laughs> 
<laughs> we get a translation, Her. please. Do you remember the, 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 that workshop? When we were mirroring each other. We were mirroring each other and then it was actually looking at the mirror and... Um, oh, yeah. Doing, like, there's some really strange, like, subconscious stuff came out of that. Wasn't there a weird exercise? It was one I'd gotten from a, a clowning workshop I'd done where we were looking at the mirror and we were, you, like, you were walking, looking at the ceiling and then kind of find each other and all that kind of stuff. And it just completely... Yeah, I remember doing that stuff as a kid as well. Yeah, but it completely shifts your perspective, right? That's the whole point is that like altered reality. Yeah. I mean, because like how else do you begin accessing a sense of someone's shift of reality? Do you know if, if we're dealing with psychosis, how do, how do we begin experimenting with that and playing with that in a physical way? Because... You can talk something to death, you know, you can research it to death, but ultimately it's like, how do you get it into the body? How do you begin to feel what that feels like? And it makes me think of the dream workshop we did again. And, and there's some really powerful visuals come out of that. I think for, what I remember from that workshop, even if you can't remember. No, sorry. <laughs> no, I remember the workshop, just not that particular moment. Um, I, I think Anika hid under this box. <laughs> Sounds like Nika. <laughs> totally like Nika. But even even though it was it was a very kind of metaphorical thing, it felt very real in the moment. And you said like, I knew she was near. I knew she. Oh, was I do remember that. Like she was. I do remember. She was that. playing games, and I I remember how angry you got about it. Like you felt like she was playing games with you, and that became very interesting because even though it was kind of metaphorical, what we were doing, that the feeling was still very real. And something that like started to access what the dynamic was like between these two sisters. Like you left me, you left me. How dare you? And you're 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 toying me. You're playing with me. You're coming back into my life. Like you could escape again. So, in a way, there was something about that physicality workshop that allowed us to put emotion on something without over talking. Yeah, and that was huge. That particular feeling and that dynamic was huge all the way through. I feel like that created the breakfast scene. No, that breakfast scene, like, I mean, that took all the way up to rehearsals to get right. Like, I mean, even on the day, we were both, it was the hardest scene for both of us. We really, both of us found that so hard because it was just saying so much. They had so much background. They had so much history together, so many feelings. And to try and hash that out in a moment was just like, oh, <laughs> I think it was just um, the weight of it was was a real um, challenge and the responsibility of it was such a real challenge because we'd done all of this work and to try and show what it meant and all the complex feelings in this one scene just was was I think it was the one that both of us were dreading the most <laughs> I think I was I wasn't sure of it in the rehearsals until we had the breakthrough in rehearsals where Nika said that line um I don't want to be on my own and I felt like I think that's that's the the beat in terms of the script. Do you know what I mean? Because at a certain point, like, yeah, that's where it shifts. You're still in rehearsals. You're still you're still fine tuning like what what feels real, what doesn't feel real. And I think I trusted once we got to that moment that we would get it on set. But yeah, it was it was such a delicate balance, and it's it's crazy. Like those scenes like that, like because in real life they can be really big and messy. But sometimes cinema doesn't allow space for things that are big and messy. But if you want to stay true to what it feels like, it somehow has to be a little bit big and messy. Am I making any sense? No, absolutely. And I, I do find that, you know, when you, you know, and I hate to even say the words, but, you know, when people say melodrama sometimes, and you're like, you're just saying that because it's big. You know, because the truth is, if it's truthful and if it's real, then it's not melodrama. 
but like you're like you're saying now i do often feel when i watch moments in film or even tv there's so many times where i'm like that's not real it's too pretty it's too it's too logical and the truth is when we are really triggered when we are really hurt to our core when we are dealing with what feels like the most important thing in our lives it doesn't come out like that. It doesn't, you know what I mean? I wish I was that way. <laughs> and, I was like, and I can be very quiet in, in my life, but like, I just don't believe it in those moments. You know what I mean? But see, this is, this is the interesting thing. In, in life, often when you're, you bump up against an experience, like it's, it's not about that interaction of right there and then, it's about the past. And sometimes you have a reaction that's to do with the past and it's bigger than the moment. But sometimes in cinema, we don't allow for that. We, it's all about this beat is about this piece of action. And this piece of action causes this reaction. But isn't it way more powerful when you get to see someone's past, when you get to see how hurt they've been? You know, when you get to see that they existed before the moment and before the story and before, you know what I mean? For me, that's way more interesting. And like you say, you have to do it in a way that that's understood, but yeah, and that's tricky. That's very tricky. I think that's why I'm always really, I, I'm drawn to performances that feel spontaneous and, and that I don't feel ahead. I can't quite put my finger on where that experience is bubbling up from. Where, where, when it's too precise for me, I kind of, I, it's I, there's a part of me that just switches me off. Me too. And... Yeah, I disengage emotionally because I don't. I feel like it's it's. Um, I, I feel the structure too much. I don't but, feel. But maybe the, maybe this is a taste. Thing. Maybe yeah you know yeah. I mean? And I believe. And do you know what? There's certain times when I do like the preciseness uh, in certain genres when it is a more stylized genre. You know, if it you know sometimes uh, with period stuff or whatever it is, or mm -hmm. you know if if mm -hmm. the if the in the concept or the world is so big and rich and complicated, you have to keep the performances a bit more clear and simple. So true, so true. So, and I do love big co concepts and I love high concept stuff. So I get it in that situation. And so I, I totally, um, it would just be too much to have it all going on at once. But when people actually can find a balance, that's when I'm most excited. Because, <laughs> you know, I feel like, you know, Jordan Peele and, you know, uh, there's just so many you know, White Lotus, I love White Lotus as well. And so, the, and they're like big, multi-genre, complicated, big personalities, big, you know, all sorts of things. But it feels very real. The performances are very connected and the stories are very clear on the the point of view they're coming from, or they offer many different points of view. Oh, I just, I'm so curious how the film would feel if we hadn't have, you know, done that extensive workshops before we got to script. What would have changed in the film? And I suppose what would have changed ultimately in the performance between you and Nika? Like that we all were finishing each other's sentences. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was quite intense, but like it was, it was a real gift too. Yeah, there was a, the shorthand, definitely the shorthand. And I think cause you, you know, you, I think you see that at times in the, the movie, just a look when you're like, and you only have that with like your siblings or, or people you've lived with for years or people you've known for years where you can look at them and you're like, I know exactly what you're thinking and feeling, right? Like, I actually know the moment I've said something, how you're going to react to that. You know what I mean? It's like, you, you know, before almost in certain ways. And that was necessary for these sisters. It was necessary for this really intertwined world, emotional world that they share. And this journey that they share where they're so locked in and they're so taken along by each other. 
Yeah, and as you say that, it makes me go, yeah, no, we had to go from a really subconscious place, but developing. Do you know what I mean? Because if we tried to apply logic to them straight away, definitely would have stifled something. Yeah, and I think that it comes through in your writing. But then the, the, but the writing was to do with what we were mining in, in workshops, and so it's kind of this chicken and egg kind of thing. What's your big, I don't know, takeaway or, or moment that you remember, or something that feels really close to your heart about it? about the film is there a moment or a... oh you know I when I know that's a crazy hard it question, is but sorry. no you know the you know that when you found the photos from the workshops and just those moments I just look at those photos and I just really see the intimacy and the uh, depth that we all went to together and that is just once in a lifetime and really special and I have I have that photo framed it's sitting right behind me it's I, I mean, that level of intimacy on, on a set, I don't know if I'll ever experience that again. Do you know, like, that we did it, and we did it in our own terms, like... And we really gave all of ourselves and saw all of each other, and in a way that was... Just, which was, was messy, and, it was, yeah, uh, and sometimes and very, 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 very uncomfortable. Yeah, but, you know, how often do you do that? How often do you do that? And so that's, I think it was that that unleashing... That's what I take from it. That's what this feels like for me. And that's what the story feels like for me. An unleashing of the parts you don't always share in all its messiness and beauty and strength and fragility. I think I, I've, I think I, I, I've learned so much as a, as a director and as a human doing this film. Like I, in terms of like wearing my heart on my sleeve, I've definitely learned how to do that much more. Um, I think prior to making Wildfire was probably a little bit more of a closed, closed book. But then I think through seeing yourself and Nika um, really going to vulnerable places and, and sharing that, that and the freedom of that in the right place with the right people. Yeah, it just taught me like that's really what relationships are. It is that sharing of yourself with others. And storytelling just offers this incredible space to to step inside someone's shoes and to kind of go on their journey. Um, I don't know how actors do it. <laughs> you know, I have such admiration. Well, I did take a break after Wildfire. <laughs> I remember saying to, to Nika on set, I was like, I'm just going to go have a baby after this. <laughs> I'm ready. I've, I've poured it all out. I've squeezed it all out. I just need a moment to do, <laughs> to live, to live life and, and find the next chapter. Like you said, I feel the same. I feel the same. I've, I've learned so much, so much. And, and it pushed me to be braver and more open and more honest than ever before. And that, that has led to this, a whole new chapter in my life and in my professional life. Yeah. Isn't it incredible that like the film can do that? Yeah. Thank you, Kathy. No, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Biffa podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show and make sure you get our next episode straight away. If this is your first time listening, make sure you head back in our feed and check out some of our most recent episodes, including Riz Ahmed in conversation with director Jan Dimanche and Reggie Yates with his casting director on his feature debut, Pirates, Shaheen Baig. Thanks for listening. The Biffa Podcast is the Little Dot Studios production for Biffa. The show is hosted by me, Jake Cunningham, I'm also one of the producers alongside Ellie Aitken and Harold McShiel. The show is edited by James Payne.